it's Gilbert Gottfried. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, your go-to podcast on old things mining. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and I am Brian, and I am joined by a couple of individuals today who are going to talk to us about the use of mechanically stabilized earth walls in tailings environments. I've got Eric and Marco with me. Eric, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for the time and the invitation, Brian. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're recording this during the pandemic, and hopefully you're surviving as well as could be expected. Yeah, it's made for a, a, a challenging environment, but certainly uh, it's the pandemic has is uh, works for engineers where we work remotely oftentimes and behind the scenes anyway. Yeah, very, very true. And, and Marco, how about you? Are you surviving as well as could be expected from the pandemic? Yeah, surviving. I uh, cannot complain. I working from home. I used to work from home before on my previous job. So uh, oh, okay. getting used to it, uh, going back. Um, but yeah, no, no, everything is good on my side. Yeah, Thank good. You. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Oh, oh great. Yeah, I, I think we're learning a lot of things about working remotely. And it's funny because some of the big tech companies used to have a work remote policy in place. And then they called everybody back in and said, no, it's not working. But I, I think in our engineering world, it's going, there's some aspects of this that are going to be with us for a long, long time. Kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, so, interesting times. Yeah, yeah. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, went through University of Illinois. I always had this big dreams to be a, a bridge engineer, and mm-hmm. uh, went through University of Illinois in the engineering program. But uh, you know, life throws us some funny curveballs, and after. I did get into to, to the design of, of some structures, some buried structures, buried culverts and design of arches and, and whatnot, but in retaining walls through segmental block systems and MSE structures. But uh, during the during the recession of 2008, my company started to, to enter into the mining space and, and I was fortunate to have an opportunity to get engaged. and. Uh, it's a small community. It's a niche market, and I really love mining. Um, so, spent the last decade, uh, 10, 10, 12 years working for various companies, a couple uh, based in Europe, uh, that have allowed me to do a lot of global travel. So, probably have been to maybe 40 countries over the past uh, decade, uh, visiting mine sites and, and seeing, working alongside with consultants and mining firms. and Learning a little, a lot about the way different cultures uh, approach the mining space. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think that's one of the reasons with the, the new international tailings design standards, right? So there, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of different approaches to, to risk management and design throughout the years. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things that's changed drastically is the travel right now. I think I was on, um, after the pandemic set in, I, th I think I was on four different airplanes last year, which is uh, quite a change from what I was seeing previously. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I went from a global role to now really primarily managing uh, the domestic market, working with Hilfiger retaining walls, uh, well known for their for their solutions in the crusher applications. Yeah, but we've certainly had uh, a number of case histories where we've done some uh, walls and slopes, uh, reinforced slopes in mine applications. Hmm. A lot on the toes, toes, yeah. toe embankments for right yeah. away constraints. But but uh, there are some other hydraulic applications and but but. But over the past decade, I've worked a lot with uh, geosynthetics and other structures as well, or other products and materials. Yeah, and if my memory doesn't fail me, I think a lot of your calendar images are either crusher walls or some kind of retaining walls, especially along roadways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have we have a lot of solutions. Thanks for bringing that into Mark Play. We do a lot for the DOT uh, as well in the highway space. But uh, you know, we we built uh, some of those crusher walls. Certainly critical for structures that are 126 feet vertical. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, pretty pretty impressive features. So. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, we've learned a lot about it over yeah. the years. 50 years. Yeah, and, and Marco, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, a little bit different story. So, born and raised in Italy. Um, started coming here to the U.S. back in 2008 in Illinois. Uh, hmm. I'm in Bona Champagne uh, for my master uh, in civil engineering. Uh, then moved down to Florida, got an offer as a, to pursue a PhD in uh, materials engineering. Um, on civil side here at University of Florida. And uh, after graduation, I started moving back and forth so along the East Coast. Uh, and then I ended up back in Florida after a few years up in New York City, DC, all around. And uh, I worked for several years for a geosynthetic manufacturer um, hmm. as a technical um, senior engineer. So covering the East Coast and different sides of areas uh, down the islands of the West Indies and started getting to more and more mining uh, in the past four or five years. And um, since December 2019, I've been working on the mining uh, team at Wood. Uh, so I joined the company and I'm working mainly right now on phosphates, phosphate mining. Yeah. Florida. It's yeah. a big thing here, of course. Right. Uh, aggregate mining uh, and then I'm involved in some of the projects out west uh, on embassy walls and then uh, other types of uh, applications but most of the daily basis is being here in Florida and um, Idaho it's faucet mining it's kind of a it's the major day-to-day um, -day work uh, very interesting uh, different aspects very different type of applications um, but 
uh, very interesting work. Yeah, that's great. And it's uh, it's good to see a consulting company getting involved in the design of the mechanically stabilized earth walls. A lot of times a company like Hilficker will take on a, a very large role in that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's good, too, to see the consulting companies having some involvement in that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's a the use of MSE walls and in general geosynthetics. It's a it's a very large market, uh, vastly used in the civil geotechnical sector, um, landfills, uh, environmental sector. Lots in mining, uh, but it's mainly for uh, containment, so geomembranes and uh, geotextiles on one side. Yeah. Um, but the use of MSE walls and geosynthetic or steel as a reinforcement um, it's not as much as utilized in, in other civil or geotechnical um, engineering wars like a general construction for civil uh, structures um, like for working for DFTs or um, for other owners yeah yeah so Eric um Hilfiger is a pretty small company, employee number-wise, isn't it? Yeah, actually, it is. It's uh, it's family-owned. Uh, Harold and Billy yeah. uh, still run a lot of the business. The brothers, and they do a fantastic job bringing the product to market and, and uh, engineering it. Uh, as you mentioned, we do a lot. Uh, we, we we collaborate actually with quite a few consultants we don't have any of the engineering in-house huh. we we've, we've collaborated with some locals who have really made the made it um, become experts in it and can can turn around designs rather quickly for us but uh, they they're based in Eureka California and um, uh, but there's it's a very small uh, organization so I, yeah I cover the west or the whole East Coast for them. <laughs> so, yeah I I, th I think a few years back, I had the pleasure of meeting one of the brothers, and it just seemed like a really nice little family company that would be fun to work for. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Uh, invite you, not only welcome you to the company, but welcome you into the into the family. So. Yeah, that's that's great. And on the on the other side of the coin, Marco Wood is a, a very large consulting company, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, very different. Um, I used to work for a smaller company, still with an international footprint, but uh, my previous company, Marcatelli, was a much smaller company. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, large, 50,000 employee multinational, um, which really gives an opportunity to work on a vast array of different projects and not only in the on all the fields of engineering, from environmental right. to hydraulic. It's yeah, actually yeah. very interesting. Right, and all around the world. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we wanted to talk about the use of the MSC walls in a tailings environment. And um, maybe, Eric, you could start telling us a little bit about where you would want them to be or where you might consider using them in a tailings environment. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and Brian, appreciate it. So, you know, it's 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 always an interesting conversation when I when I speak with, with many of the consultants because they 
whether it's a six to one or a one to one or a three to one embankment, it's still an engineered structure, right? We're designing around the coefficient of friction of the soils, the understanding what the hydraulic properties are and uh, of that soil. So, you know, we, embankments themselves are engineered structures. And yeah. the idea of using an MSE is, is not much different. We're still looking at what the soil parameters are, the unit weights of it. We're just looking at how they, what the coefficient of friction is between that soil and the geosynthetic or the metallic reinforcing elements that we're using in there. So we've seen them on the toa slopes or the backside of embank the downside stream side of an embankment usually when it comes into a right-of-way constraint um, yeah so we see them in those applications um, and, and even there there's some scarcity to that domestically um, in in other on the other side though in latin america it's very common to see some centerline raises be constructed on the inside face with an MSE structure. They're lined with a, a polymer, uh, you know, an HDP liner that we have on the bottom of a tailings and okay. okay, yep. So, so uh, using a vertical face still allows us to, to um, one, it, it helps us with maintain a center line, which helps reduce an overall footprint, captures a little bit more volume, but it also allows us to not use the toe to construct the toe of that center line mm. over the beach, right? Yes. Because what we've seen is, um, you know, they've in Latin America particularly, they've eliminated the use of a lot of the upstream raises yeah. because of yeah. the liquefaction and the and whatnot. So, so the, those using it on the inside basis is seen quite a bit of it uh, we haven't seen that here as much although we we do have a project in hill thicker that we've done <laughs> but hmm. uh as well but but primarily it's 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 in other markets uh, even in australia we've seen some of that yeah okay yeah i've i've seen the use of uh similar technologies around the use of the clarification pond so that the water can be deep enough to put a vertical turbine pump into it and so okay. sometimes it's just easier to raise that up vertically and keep the pump in the same same type of location the other place that i've thought about using it is when we have a an earth jetty going out to the middle of a tailings supernatant pond and you can only continue to go vertical in, until there's not enough embankment and you either have to build on both sides of the jetty and when you get to the water then you've got a problem but you could build a, an MSE wall down both sides of that jetty and just raise it up vertically at least for some distance not not uh, infinitely high of course but height you could keep going vertically well, it's almost as if you've seen our, our installation at Hillfecker. Ah. That, that, that describes it almost perfectly. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great summary of, of where we did use one uh, at Hillfecker. So, yeah. Um, you know, we, at some of the other companies and in my past, we've seen them in 
more in the uh, the raises. In, in the yeah. Uh, it really comes down to Brian is what is the uh, footprint? What's the what's the footprint? You know, when you look at designing, whether it's an upstream, a center line, or a downstream raise, is it merit environment? What are the soils that we're looking at mm-hmm. for permeability? Uh, is it an earthquake zone? Do we, you know, Seuss? Or do we have to worry about liquefaction if we're doing some of those things? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the main aspect you want to, the main goal generally is to reduce the footprint. So, and that's why we've seen it more and more down in South America and through Chile is because of the terrain. Uh, yeah. You, you have limitations in space. You do have volume, vertical volume, but there's not much acreage that you can um, get within the mountains within that. So you can reduce the footprint of your structures by inserting any reinforcement. It can be a geogrid, a geotextile, it can be a, a steel strip, um, an element that really adds tensile strength to the soil, basically. Uh, the right mm-hmm. and so you basically can increase the models of the whole structure and you yeah. can raise something vertically like it can be vertical it can be depending on the safety factor that you have on the on the conditions you're working on um but yeah i agree with eric that the whole goal is generally to reduce the footprint yeah yeah okay okay and marco how do you come into the mixer are you are you the person that might identify where an MSC application could fit in or or how did you get involved with this? Uh, we generally have the clients contacting us and asking uh, that they for some reason, for example, in one project we're looking at reducing again the footprint, they need to build the batteries, they need to build the that earth retaining structure, but they don't have enough area. Yeah. Uh, they do want to gain volume, but they don't have enough area. Um, so we can provide basically providing a uh, engineering estimate of uh, a value engineering of how that will entail. Um, generally, you work uh, close contact with the manufacturers because every material is different, every synthetic is different, mm-hmm. uh, would have different properties. And, the properties of the material itself are a key aspect of the design. Um, because on one side, you have two main elements, and a third, which is the drainage, which is always underrated, but it's probably the key uh, for avoid failure of the structure. Um, but you have the soil, and you have the geosynthetic or the reinfor- call it reinforcement. And uh, soil, you, you select it, so you, you know everything about it, and you can know everything about it. Uh, and then on the other side, you have the reinforcement, which uh, you need to know everything about it. And we, as an engineer, you need to request from the manufacturer all the data and all the backup data to design properly your structure. Because the, the way these two elements interact with each other, it's the key of the success of the structure. Um, mm. They need to uh, interact, they need to transfer stresses from the soil to the geogrid of the two reinforcement so that the reinforcement starts taking some of the stresses and they start uh, getting tension and start developing strength. Now, um, if you don't have that transfer of stresses between one material to another, um, 
you're looking at a perfectly smooth surface between one and the other, then there's no transfer stresses, so there's no development of the tensile strength of the materials, so you're not increasing really the volumes of your soil. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so that interaction is, is crucial. Um, so that's where generally between the engineering company and the manufacturer, or at least there's generally enough information online that you can um, get all the data necessary to design a proper structure. Um, and the third element that I, I want to mention because it's always underrated, but I think it's key, it's the drainage. As every earth-retaining structure, water is the main enemy. Mm, um, yep. So the more water you have in the soil, the less interaction you're going to have between the reinforcement and the soil. As a rule of thumb. Um, so you want on your on your cold, what's called select backfill material. So where you have the soil and the reinforcement sandwich one to each other, um, you generally want less water as possible. You want to limit the water control of the water. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Very good. Uh, point. So, and it's, in paving that's important because you're containing material with generally very high uh, water content. Um, so yeah. It's, it's crucial that it's designed properly so that there's no flow, there's no leaching uh, between the, and there's no flow of water into the, the MSC wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Then, Eric, where where would you not want to use or under what conditions would you not want to use an MSC wall in a, in a tailings application? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. And, you know, we, we do look at them and um, a lot of the challenges around it, it does, is, is um, Marco alluded to, is what are the soil conditions, right? That's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do see a lot of the, um, you know, when you're doing backfill, some of them have the continuous raises going where each of those mining operations where they're bringing it in and crushing it and that waste material just continues to be the embankment. So is there, the, the, there isn't a significant raise per se in the construction methodology. It's just methodology. It's just under continuous uh, increase of that. So you're, you're obviously not going to see it in those applications. Uh, I guess the, the when you're looking at it, um, where we do see it, some more opportunities for them. Um, you know, if we look back, it, for example, some of the ones, Mount Poly, everybody knows the failure, but yeah. it happened. It kept filling up, right? It kept reaching its fulfillment, and then they kept going back for permit delay, permit extensions, or yeah. in in the delays. You know, we're in a highly regulated market, and some of those things kept exacerbating the problem. Um, I'm not saying that was the overall. Right. But, yeah. but but as you get into some of them, the volume can be increased slightly by doing a center line or a vertical raise. So if you have a lot of raises that you're planning for on the footprint, <laughs> that might be a way to do it, uh, manage it properly. Right. I think when, when looking at it, there's, you know, what we've heard is, is, hey, the risk assessment. We need these mm -hmm. structures to last mm -hmm. for not not just 75 years or 100 years like we see in the highway market, 
But in mining, sometimes we're talking about 500 years. Well, yeah. realistically, Brian, it's hard to understand what a 500-year storm event looks yeah. like, much less what's going right. to last for 500 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So what we do have a really good idea on is, though, is the performance characteristics behind whether it be a polymer reinforcement or a metallic reinforcement. So we know the soil properties. We design around those in and if we know what the, the uh, material properties are of our proper reinforcement, it really helps mitigate some risk. We're not talking about a new and emerging technology. We're just talking about taking a technology that's been around for 50 plus years and employing some best management practices in this mm -hmm. application. Right, right. So if we understand what the life cycle is, we can really understand, is a metallic reinforcing structure going to be there? Or do we need to use a, a geosynthetic and a polymer reinforcement? And in the end, Brian, on a front face of a vertical raise, yeah. we're lining it with the same material that's being used to contain those, those contaminated materials anyway in that situation, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. that polymer. So it's really not much different. There is going to obviously be some soil side corrosion, but what, you know, so that you look at and you say, okay, well, metallic has this type of, uh, of uh, rate of decay and polymer has this type that we look at from a creep standpoint. So our the tensile strength, there's some creep to it, but those can be accounted for in the design as well. So I think there's real ways to manage that risk. Uh, and just as we do with the unreinforced embankment design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. So, Marco, do you see some publication possibilities coming up in the future at some of the mining conferences, the tailings conferences? Uh, of current project, uh, not yet. Uh, we I presented back a few couple of years ago at the SME and other local SME conferences, uh, yeah. case studies or different approaches on how to design it. Um, we want to use a regular select backfill, but we know most of the time it's uh, it's not available. Sometimes it is, but many times the, you want to use whatever it's on site, mm -hmm. um, or if we want to use a more uh, clay type of material, which is generally not a good idea, but uh, sometimes with proper design and proper changes uh, to the design, it can be done. Uh, of course, we're limiting on heights and stresses. So there's there's many aspects you want to take yeah, into consideration. Right. And, um, and the other one, there's several public publications that on service life. And I think that um, Eric brings in a very interesting point is um, home, um, mine owners and engineers are generally more uh, used to have a be confident on a service life on a uh, soil embankment uh, at 500, 600 year service life rather than a engineered material, mm -hmm. uh, which it's, it's understandable. Uh, there's there's no service life. Uh, there's no material, geosynthetic material that's been on site mm -hmm. in place for that long. Right, right. So the data we have is extrapolated data from tests. Right. Um, but at the same time, is uh, it's been around for a long time. 
uh, and there's mathematical ways to extrapolate data at 500 years with uh, time temperature superposition or mm -hmm. different approaches that uh, you run the test at a higher temperature is still a polymer. Um, so there's a lot of research done and it's it changed so much in the past 15, 20 years. Uh, the polymers and the, the research has been done on polymers. And most of the time, it's not mainly on geogrids in terms of service life, but mostly on liners. Uh, there's a lot of research done on the service life of liners, um, because of course you want you don't want the line it's so it's vastly used in mining, and you want to prevent leachate in 100 years, in 200, 300 years. And they're show, they, they've shown that liners can add a 50-year service life. They'll they, they generally reach an HDP at 400 year service life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, that's always one of the issues I always encounter is the, what's the service life? Uh, what, right. uh, the, to be confident on saying, yeah, this, this structure will last you 500 years. Mm -hmm. uh, right. You know, in, in, in Marco, you mentioned that. And what's interesting too, Brian, is, is, is um, in the civil market, you know, we talked a little bit about the DOT where it's fairly common. Uh, Marco did early on mention some of the environmental side. And I think that's one of the, I guess, uh, analogies that I would bring into to play is, is we see a lot of this, this technology employed in the, in the landfill space, right? So landfills where it's also a very highly toxic backfilling environment. Yeah. Uh, do see a lot of we see a I mean a tremendous amount of use of geosynthetic reinforced slopes right you're you know much like our tailings impoundment they're constantly being raised they're constantly battling for for space you know they're <laughs> you, you, fortunately mining it does happen in many oftentimes in more remote areas than the landfill takes mm -hmm. place but, mm -hmm. but but they because of their proximity to urban environments their footprint is oftentimes restricted so they're being trying to be creative on on how to build up the vertical obtain the verticality required and, and so right technology quite often hmm. On my case, working now on phosphates, going back to publishing papers, yeah. phosphate mining is, uh, I generally we don't see the opportunity in phosphate mining because it's, you mine phosphates on sandy soils and sandy soils are in our flat areas. Uh, so uh, most of the jeep stacks here in Florida are the highest planted of Florida. Um, so there's no really generally um, use of these technology in the phosphate mining. It's more generally out west when you start getting to more on the uh, up in the mountains or areas where you have those same before um, constraints of space. You're, 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 you have to increase your volume vertically. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, Eric, what are some of the key takeaways if somebody was going to take any notes right now what would you tell them to write down boy that's a great stump that's a stump mm. question <laughs> where, where was that in the pre-press pre <laughs> <laughs> i feel 
feel like I'm in a debate. Need to be fed some questions before. <laughs> you, know, you know that that's a good question. Um, I guess uh, the biggest takeaway that I would I would uh, want people want to uh, impose upon people or instill in people is the confidence that it's really you know it's not a risky pop proposition utilizing them in the downstream side uh the toe of a slope up against a right away certainly is a absolutely safe area you know you've already gotten but behind that bentonite cut off wall oftentimes and you know you're in a really good space for that but i don't i, I want people to be also consultants and engineers to learn that there is a way to manage the risk and do a really great job of having a well-engineered structure on that inside face. Uh, it, it all comes down to really understanding what those soil parameters are. And we do that again, if, whether it's a, a three to one, a six to one, a nine. So we just need to understand it. I think and as we look, as we see uh, more, more, uh, regulations or more markets move away from those upstream raises how can we you know still try and gain that volume with uh, a center line or a downstream raise um, with the footprint that we're allowed and i think this is a way to do it can it can it restrict or can it limit some of the height of some of these embankments no well, that's potential i'm not going to say that that's there but if you can gain a little bit more volume that's certainly an option and uh, so, so really it comes down to, to, to it's a well-engineered structure, well-designed with a lot of research, and the risk isn't, isn't as great as, as some of us might, might feel. You know, nobody, as they say, nobody ever gets fired for doing what we've always done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like, like you were talking about before, these structures have been used around crushers for a long time with very high walls and uh, they're considered to be a very safe application for that. And I, I've seen some very high walls. And so if they can be used for something uh, like that, they can certainly be used for, uh, for certain applications around a tailings facility. Yeah, three meter rays and other structures, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Marco was mentioning there might be other areas where where he's seeing some other opportunities in the on a mine site, but I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but, but. yeah, any area where you want to reduce your footprint, it's always a possibility where you can build your earth tenure structure at a higher angle than a two and a half to one slope. Yeah. Or, uh, three to one slope. It can be just to help the holding of, um, so have a tighter um, road, um, so more smaller footprint, or just uh, crushing walls, uh, portals. Um, so there's many aspects where in the mind where a use of it, and I generally use geosynthetics, but that's where I come from. So to me, it's more right. uh, my brain always goes there. Um, and that's, I think that's where it can um, bring a lot of value in the use of a geosynthetic into a uh, either reinforcing a soil or uh, protecting from erosion, or it can be in the same time, uh, again, lining liners 
been vastly redefining. So um, I think that's that's there's a lot of experience in geosynthetics in mines that it can be used uh, in um, in the use of an MSU wall in the understanding of where and why to use an MSU wall and where not to use an MSU wall. Yeah, that's that's uh, great. Yeah. either of you so i think we're just about a, out of time but do either of you have any words of wisdom or pearls of wisdom to leave the listeners with if i may say something that yeah. i think really understanding i'm going to be geeky here but i think <laughs> ending the the process and the mechanics on how they work there's some great great papers and great researches done from very, very smart people, much smarter than me on these topics that they really sum up the way these structures work and uh, and having an understanding on how the reinforcement works. It can be in a geosynthetic or steel or whatever type of reinforcement. Um, the first reinforcement used to be uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago with straws and, and, and just branches. Um, yeah. So just the way it works and the mechanics behind it really helps understanding and getting a grasp on how you, an engineer, could potentially use or a mine owner could potentially use this technology that is on advanced. Yeah. Uh, so, again, yeah, going back to papers, I'm a valid reader. Uh, I love writing papers and publishing and reviewing papers, and I think they're a great, great source of. Uh, information and a great source of knowledge and uh, so read as much as possible on this topic and it will help understanding where to use it and where not to use it yeah yeah no that's uh, very good yeah i think he touched on most of it i guess the just the main thing is is, is as he mentioned it started reinforcing a structure started out with straw and, and other hay but yeah look at it that he, they do all perform differently so understanding the creep behind structures or geosynthetics and geogrids understanding mm -hmm. when metallic and inextensible reinforcing is available and is an option you know it, it's really really simple to, to look at something um, and, and have have the design assistance that a hill thicker can bring to market and say hey we understand your design requirements. Here we go. We're going to engineer it and partner and get this out to you. The challenge becoming is when, when somebody does that as well with the geosynthetic reinforcement in some of these, understanding that it's not just the ultimate tensile strength that's within that, understanding the creep and the material, um, mechanical properties of, of that, that material in itself really go a long way. So, uh, you know, I'm not, again, this is a, an independent uh, methodology behind it. It's just always understanding all the, 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 the structural properties of, of these systems. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Really great. Yeah, guys, I really appreciate your time and uh, the input. And one of my goals of having this podcast is making me a little bit smarter each time and I thank both of you for helping me get a little bit smarter today <laughs> you know, no, we pleasure. Your time. thank you very <laughs> much for the yeah
It's been a while since uh, we've gotten in front of each other, and it might be yes. a little bit longer, Brian. Yeah, I, I, th I think it's going to be at least until July until we start having something of a normal yeah. life back and maybe a little bit beyond that, but uh, we'll, we'll get back there. Absolutely. One day or another. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks again, guys, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.